Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Don't forget, I'm only as hip as my guest. We have a new system here. This is new thing, so I'm a little thrown off. It was all this techno stuff. I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was a disco in here, and I started dancing. But uh, And it's weird, because uh, we have a great show today. i got to tell you, though, people, I'm very, I'm very tired today. I, I woke up last night, and because I have a very active imagination... Whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, yeah, whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, I hear, I'll hear like a, a sound of a siren. And I always think, is that someone I know who got arrested or something like that? And so, anyway, I didn't sleep good, but it's, I was excited because it's such a great show. We had Rich Schneider in the first uh, hour, and then we have now, we have a, an amazing talent, and I'll say that because it's true. He's a radio legend. It's Phil Hendry. How you doing, Phil? I'm good, Stephen, and I've never seen that whole, that, that is such the most produced thing for something that isn't on the air, right? Oh, you know Wasn't Is that for all the hosts here who... I just, like, okay, to just start. Started. And uh, it's a, I guess this one's specific for me. So it, like, if, if, when it gets to 15 minutes, I have we take a two minute. They do a two minute commercial break, so then we can talk. But it's I used to just talk for an hour. So this is something completely Let different. You to know, me. yeah, it's new. Like they yeah. give you a countdown. Yeah. But we used to have like these teasers, and they used to sit there, and the beginning would go, "It's Cooper talk." Baby, it's off the chain, gang. And I go, I go, what? It was pre-recorded. I go, I, I would never say off the chain, gang. Off the chain, but, gang. Now, what, what was that? Well, well, but was that's not, that doesn't, what, what would happen here, folks, just to explain it, people, did, did, people didn't hear that, did no, they? No, no, no. There's these bongo drums. It sounds like something like, No, the bongo stand, drums, I, oh, that's, that's my opening here, but, song. But there was a standby for oh, yeah. Cooper Talk. <laughs> oh, my God, you won't believe what's about to happen. And this is all just for the cats that are doing the show here, and they don't see it. Wow, that was great. It's brand new, and yeah. I just put the TV in, and he said, Sweet. If I, I was like, well, maybe I won't play it. But then he said, in the middle of the show it'll cut off for two and a half minutes and I go well that's going to suck because people you'll be in the middle of a ton of good story and they'll go what the hell ever happened to that Phil Henry story what is it uh, yeah what was the story well, you told I was me? talking to John uh, John DeCostra who John uh, is uh, from upstate right John uh, New, York. New York yeah and so I said you know I used to work at WBVM in Utica and it was a little tiny oldies but goodies station in the summer of 1975 and uh, we were on Genesee Street there and uh, one thin pane of glass separating uh, the studio from the street so you, hear, you heard all the Utica Club beer trucks going by. <laughs> and across the street, they also had a funeral parlor, and there was a bar called Durante's Bar. And uh, one day I look out there and I see there's a funeral going on, but I'm playing Oldies But Goodies. WBBM, Oldies But Goodies, you know, here is Darlene Love. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Shotgun jingles. And I get the line lights up, the request line or whatever it is. Hi, WBBN. Uh, hi. Uh, it's a radio station, correct? Yes, sir. Hi. Who wants to be with? Phil Hendry. Yes, sir. Uh, we're having a funeral. Maybe saw. If you look out the window, putting a guy in the ground. Not a guy in the ground. I shouldn't say that, but there's a family. I said, do you do announcements? Will you say there's a stiff? Not a stiff, but you know what I mean? I said, no, sir. I, I, I drew the line on that one. Um, and probably the guy was, the guy might have said, because there's 500 bucks in it for you. But I cut him off before he, uh, I would not allow that on the air. Probably the owner of the station came in Monday and said, what are you doing? There's five bills. We could have used that. Yeah, that was, that was wild. Upstate New York. But upstate, uh, just saying to John, WGY, yeah, that's and my uh, that was one of the first uh, stations. His in the mic's country. not on, man. It is now. Oh. It's one of the first uh, radio stations in the country. I think it might be the first one. The three call letters is sort of yeah. a tip-off. Yeah. But uh, I know uh, the guys at GR in Buffalo and GY. Those are, that's a great uh, market for Phil Henry. I mean, people, a lot of yeah. fans up there. And then I was visiting my cousins. And my cousins are in Toronto, Canada. Last summer, my girlfriend and I went to Toronto. So my cousins, Fran and Elaine and, and Paul, and we had a good time. My cousin Paul lives down in Port Ryersey on Lake Erie. And all of a sudden, down the street comes this horde of rural Canadians. This Phil Henry, I'll be us. Hey, are you the guy on the radio? It turned out that we were on a station in St. Catharines, Ontario. Right. So everything just north of New York City is my own. <laughs> and there was a whole bunch of Canadians. And for the next like hour, they were just like, and okay, so here's another show you did. Have you ever been to places like Port Ryersey was founded by loyalist Americans who went to Canada after the revolution. <laughs> so these are all loyalist people and for th 200 years that's who founded this little town, you know. But uh, it's it's like a really wealthy and upscale little town on Lake Erie and uh, all of these people sit in their garages and drink beer in their, you know, multi-million dollar garages and drink beer. And they, yeah, they drink the good beer. and They, they drink the good beer, but they still don't get out of their, their shorts or even their underwear. They sit there. I know I'm in my underwear, but I, I can't be bothered. Anyway, dude, it's great to be back here. Yeah, it's great. Now, how did you end up in the small station in Utica? Because I know you were from California originally. Yeah, from here and uh, went down to Florida in 72 because that's, I'm so much older than everybody else. 
and uh, although I can still throw a few punches, so for you cats on Twitter that are always like, no, you're really old, let's fucking skin that smoke wagon. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me just interrupt real quick with Twitter, because yeah. I want to ask you this, because you have a good Twitter following, which I was telling John, I'm really irritated that you don't have a blue check. The, the, you should not, what are you going to do? You, no, you should have I, a blue check. I have theories about that. I know people who have blue checks who shouldn't have them. I heard that. And I saw my friend, and I, and I, I used a dear friend of mine, I was like, how the hell do you get a blue check? Yeah. But um, do you ever get do you ever get creeps on Twitter, like sending you, like, I mean. All the time. Like, what do they say? Because I just got in an All argument the with a guy. I, I wrote this joke, and mm-hmm. I sent it to uh, Tony Bruno from Philadelphia Sports Radio. He, uh, he retweeted it, and it was. Tony's good guy. The Phillies are doing serving hard cocktails. So I said, the number one, they should have a new drink called the Mickey Morantini. Say Mickey Morantini. Uh-huh. And some guy says, sends me a tweet going, you shouldn't do comedy. That sucks. That's an awful joke. So I said, I'm sorry. Some people liked it. I said, you shouldn't live in your mom's basement with right. your eight Twitter followers. Right. And so he wrote, and he wrote back, and he said how, well, yeah, okay, Steve Pooper. That's what your joke was. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I went, oh, forget yeah. it. And what, what do people yeah. say to you? Because everyone likes you. Oh, no, no. I've got uh, a lot of really vicious people, uh, one of whom I called out uh, because the guy was stealing my stuff. You know, I, I, we, we make our living on our website, so it's all copyright copyright protected material and this dude was stealing it and then subsequent to that he started harassing us I mean at my home in my business so I come that cat I really jumped all over and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, lay some serious lawsuit shit on this dude as well as criminal action I mean that's how bad it's gotten in one area people that just are giving you shit yeah thank you the best line I ever heard was Mark Maron's when some dude said, God, you guys are old. And Mark said, yeah, better kill yourself before it happens. Right. You know, and, and I, this guy's, uh, I think, I think they want you to come back with something strong so they can go, love you, man. You know, that's what they always do. You just messing. Because yeah. they, always, they always don't, they, it's funny, I think. They, they want to see what you're made of. Yeah, because you know? this guy was doing something. My girlfriend's a uh, sexual advocate. She's a past date rape case and she speaks oh, to colleges wow. but she wrote something and then this guy was called her a, a media whore because her and someone else posted about Bill Cosby so I laid into the guy mm. and here's what the guy comes back to me with this is no lie mm. he said he called me a poop eating parrot which makes no sense and I'm sitting there going now this is funny and he called me he called me a bootlicker which I haven't heard that term what, in What's 20 weak stuff, man? Yeah, it's all hoop is such a chick word. I know. It's like <laughs> crazy. It's like saying, when chicks, you know, ever a chick call you a jerk? Yeah. And they're like, you jerk. <laughs> is that it? I mean, and poop is like a chick word. To see guys, you, the word is shit, guys. Right. Uh, <laughs> chicks use the word poop. Um, I, I think that they, the, the good guys will give you shit. And when you come back with something strong, they go, love you, man. They want to see, you know, they just want to get a response. Uh, my feeling is I don't. I only talk to the people that are nice. I, I try not to talk to the people that are assholes unless they're super bigoted. You know, let's, they, they demand a response of some kind. But uh, I think it's better for your mental health to just ignore them, man. And most of the look at look at fucking excuse my French. Colbert has like what nine billion followers and he doesn't follow anybody. So I don't even think it matters if you follow people. Um, as far as the blue check mark goes, I think that there's I, my theory is this. They're, they're, Twitter seriously is is dancing with a major lawsuit, and here's why: the blue check mark v- valid- validates that you are the guy. And so, if you don't have that, you do get people impersonating. I've had it happen to me, and it can assault your business in a fairly serious way. And you have to buy a lawyer, and you have to do a lot of shit to keep that at bay. If you have the blue check mark, you don't have to deal with any of that. Now, some people will say, "We'll just get off of Twitter." I can, but. That doesn't say that there won't be people still impersonating me. Right. So even if I'm not on Twitter, I got to be watching Twitter to make sure no one's impersonating me. So what Twitter has done, and Dick Costello, and get a load of this, and I probably shouldn't talk out of school, but I will. Now, I, I will say that uh, a source tells me that an attorney representing the interests of Twitter once said to someone when they said, you know, your CEO, Dick Costello, was quoted on an MSNBC in an internal memo, memo saying we got to do better with trolls. To which the uh, uh, a lawyer had said, who's Dick Costello, a radio guy? No, that's the CEO of the company right. repping you, dumbass. <laughs> wow. This is a Twitter lawyer. Wow. Uh, so Dick Costello said this in a memo, and yet the company still doesn't take it serious. It's crazy. Now, yeah. now, now you're, you do a, some of your characters have Twitter accounts. Yeah, yeah. Now, how do you answer them when people tweet to them? Do you do it more in their character vein? Because that, character that vein. must be fun. Yeah, it is. Because, and I still, you know, and as I said, Rich Scheider told you a story. I still remember <laughs> when I was, me and, I lived in here and I was going to San Diego. Me yeah. and my ex-wife had a place down there. And I still remember the first time I heard you, 
I was driving down the five, and it was uh, you were doing the old guy whose son got thrown out of a a, a Ferris wheel at a, at a fair. Oh, it was uh, Harvey Warman. Yeah, real crotchety Harvey, man. Uh, Harvey, uh, do you remember that Harvey? As I was in Indy, excuse me. Yeah, <coughs> was that that was in Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah. Indianapolis, yeah, your son was pitched out of the Ferris wheel? Well, he wasn't pitched out, but he was uh, he was drunk, and he he, uh, he said, hey, ha, ha, ha. And the last ha, he leaned over in the bucket. You know how the bucket will swing? And he just did a full die. Now, he knew he was going to die, and he went into a swan. He knew he'd die. You know, I don't know. But he just, I said, Jesus, make it look good, will you, Arnie? And he said... Yeah, gave me the th- last thing he said to me was nothing. It was a thumb up, and then he the full swan dive and hit the the asphalt. It was it wasn't funny, and yet uh, it was better that he died that way because he'd been drafted the week before and was on his way to Vietnam. You know. Is no kidding? Yes, I'm kidding for Christ's sake. He, he lived. Uh, if you call that living. All right. Sorry, Harvey. Was just go out in the lobby, huh? Where do you go to take a dump? I'm so I'm sorry. Where do you take the dumps here? It's not, down down not the hall. Here. Studio. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, buddy. See you outside. Now, as a kid, did you have this great imagination? I mean, I mean, what? I mean, as a kid, did you have? You know, did you put your own little shows on? Or I mean, how did you start coming yeah. to these characters? Because when I was a kid, we all we all tried the, the, the Richard Nixon and John Wayne, and it was so bad. I mean, every kindergarten would be like hello little doggy you yeah. know just awful but did you i mean when did, did you start like make doing impressions when you were younger how did it all happen what, what happened with me i think maybe it happened a lot of people is i looked at the world around me which i was in love with life as a little kid you know i just i was i, I remember being really exuberant and the first thing i wanted to do was do my version of the reality that i saw oh i saw this guy and i saw this guy and i think i'll go into my bedroom tonight and i'll or this afternoon or whenever when the adults aren't around and i'll create my version of that. And the first character I remember doing was a character that I called the angry newsman. Because I used to see this newsman on TV, and tonight, whatever the news was today, you know, President Eisenhower. And so I would sit there as a little kid, and I'd do this. I want my kids to turn the TV off. Again, I don't want my children seeing this. President Eisenhower, who I guess is the president, <laughs> said, and so even at that age, I, I could tell these guys were holding back their emotion. And I think that was George Putnam that I was actually watching. People in L.A. remember George Putnam. He was on Channel 11. He was the guy, that, the American flag flying proudly over the Bank of America in Culver City. See you at 10. We'll see you then. You know, and I realized this guy's just wanting to say, Fuck all you people out there, you know. And so, because I didn't think that, but as a little kid, I was like, and now, now the news. A bunch of people thought that they would attack America. I don't want my children watching. He had to do something to express an opinion, right? So that was, and then another character I I got fascinated with, James Mason in 55 Days at Peking. He was an English actor, but he was playing an Asian. So he's... He had, he was playing an Asian, James Mason, you know. And I thought that was the most asinine thing ever said. So I, I was doing James Mason, you know. Tell me, Mr. Uh, who was the guy in North by Northwest? He's, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Stewart? No. Oh, yeah, but the character that was played by Cary Grant was uh, Mr. Whoever, Mr. Paulson, Mr. Jones. Tell me, Mr. Jones, you didn't bring me to these gay surroundings to carry your bags, did you? And so I started doing him. And, but it was my version of reality. And, and yeah, so we, uh, I listened to the radio. But my thing was pretending I was on TV. Or I would, I would entertain my, my kid sister was my first audience, and she was just no end, laughing no end of the stuff I did. And this is all I would do. I would say, this was the skit that I did for my sister. I'd say, okay, I'm going to go in and talk to Mr. Brown. I'll get this deal nailed down. Don't worry about it. And I'd walk confidently into my bedroom and close the door. And then oh. 10 oh. seconds later, open it, and I'd come dra- my dragging my leg out, and I'd, you know, it's just like, it's good, the deal's done. You know, that was, <laughs> that was the bit. This Blood is- squirting out of the neck, you know. <laughs> this is all new. We have to take a break in like 45 seconds. Well, look at this, the countdown. Isn't it crazy? Beautiful. You people don't understand this. This is new, because you know I always just rant on my- You can't mess that up, man. I can't. I, no. I, always, I, I always talk to my guests for an hour, but now they have this new system. So it's so funny. Phil's here telling a bit, and I'm not used to cutting someone but off. That's the end of the bit. And that's, see, that's perfect. And then now, as it, it comes down, this is unbelievable. There's a 30 second. Now, did you deal with this? You had a producer who would always do that. I have a producer, yeah. Okay, yeah. See, yeah. Now, with my podcast, I just break whenever I feel like breaking, you know. See, now there's music coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're waiting. 
I know. Listen to this music, dude. What, is this? what was the bongos in the beginning? That's though? my song. And then the Soviet Union was attacked by Germany in 1945. <laughs> and now, we're going to go to break. We'll be back. We'll be back in two minutes. Are you looking to promote your website, blogs, articles, videos, and even banners all at once? Then visit SupremeSearch.net. No matter what size business you run, you can display all your ads. On SupremeSearch.net, your ads will appear on 22,000 high-quality websites. Get backlinks. Use their article spinners and article submit software. You can even get your ads in newspapers. At SupremeSearch.net, you get quality service at a quality price. That's SupremeSearch.net. Isn't it time to grow your business? Glastic Water Bottle, a shatterproof glass water bottle. It's great for any liquid because everything tastes best in glass. A leak-proof lid you can close and toss on the couch without worry. Chances are it won't ever break, but if it does, no worries. The glass is safely contained inside a protective outer shell so you won't have a dangerous mess to clean up. You can safely remove the broken glass and get replacements. Go to GlasticWaterBottle.com to get your very own Glastic Bottle today. That's GlasticWaterBottle.com. G-L-A-S-S-T-I-C waterbottle.com. What are you waiting for? Do you need to file a tax extension? We can help for free. Simply request a tax extension permission form at extension request at taxpro1000.com. After filling it out, upload it to your free, safe online portal that we will set up for you. Our experienced staff of tax accountants will then send you confirmation that your federal and state's tax extensions are filed. It is just that easy. When you're ready to have your taxes prepared, you'll find TaxPro 1000 tax centers' prices to be some of the best in the tax industry. In most cases, we can even deduct our low tax preparation fee from your refund. Our prices are 150 to 250 depending on the number of your tax forms. If questions or to speak with our friendly staff, please call us at 800-687-4187 free. Visit picketsprints.com, yeah, picketsprints.com. you love every t-shirt that you'll see, and the shipping's always free. P-I-C-K-I-T-S, P-R-I-N-T-S. Find your new favorite shirt, you can't go wrong, at picketsprints.com. Remember abundance. At Shakey's Pizza, don't cut back. Cut loose with our all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. Less belt tightening. More belt loosening. Shakey's all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. Listen to this. Nice. I got I got rock and roll. I got rock and roll. I got Phil Henry and I got uh, John DeCross to stop by the all studio. Right. And so uh, we were talking about Phil as soon as this song's over. Are you a big music fan? Like, what, what kind of, are you an old school, metal school? No, I'm a metal and hip-hop guy. Now, I was old school, and then I said, how many more times I can listen to Led Zeppelin? I think I, I can't do it anymore, man. I, I'm at a point in my life now where if I don't start listening to something new, I'm going to die prematurely. And So I've gotten into metal the last three years, which I absolutely love. Uh, hell yeah, and I like uh, some of the Volbeat shit. I love this new, this uh, In This Moment, which is the chick. I shouldn't say chick, but Marissa Brink. Have you ever seen her? No. Well, you ought to, man. I will. <laughs> Take a good long look at her, man. Uh, she's great. All That Remains is great. And then I love hip-hop, and I like Young Thug, and I like Young Money, and I, I like some of Drake, even though he's a pussy. And anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding, but, uh, well, he is. I mean, he said, I used to drive I used to drive an Acura to school, man. Now I drive, oh, really? I hitchhiked to school. <laughs> I drove, I drove uh, my mom. My mom had this brown Toyota Corolla station wagon. Mm-hmm. And when I passed my my thing I drove that and my friends called it the brown turd and, and that was as opposed known to what, as, the deep green exactly, turd yeah, yeah. Exactly. and that was the car I drove and yeah. then she got a Mercury Lynx oh, and my nice. father had his car and it was my father's car like you know it the was good car. his car. You, you, my mom couldn't drive that. You couldn't yeah. eat in that car. You couldn't do anything in that car. Yeah. My mom's car. Like when I had dates, my dad was a funny guy, but yeah. he never. He's very quiet. He used to always say, "Don't, don't have him leave uh, heel marks on the ceiling." <laughs> I love and, your dad, and I used man. to crack up. I and, love your dad. And he was. I mean, he passed a few years ago, and it was oh. funny. Was he was so dry. But I everyone love knew him. Heel he, marks on the ceiling. He used to wear Fonzie socks. Okay, we got him socks with pictures of Fonzie. Like pulls up, and he pulled them up, and, he and he'd flex. He'd flex his uh, his uh, calf and go, and then thumb would move, and he go, hey. And everyone, everyone knows the Fonzie socks, and he had Kojak socks, and he go, who loves you, baby? And that's like the only time he'd talk. Then my friends would go, does he ever talk besides that? I go, no. Okay, his socks on, or he'll just he'll make a comment at dinner, and he'd always like his his favorite joke to my mom was, hey, uh, Rosemary, do you like to jog? She goes, yeah. He goes, well, take a lap around this. And that, <laughs> oh. that was, it was all these. 
It was all these old school she, uh, jokes. Oh, obviously, she'd been living with that long oh, they before died. you were married. Oh, oh, God. oh yeah. I mean, they, he, I mean, they were married. That's how, they, that's how he years. hit on her the first time. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> Want to take a jug around this? Huh? Uh, come on. Hey, no. come on. Hey, uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. What'd your father do? My father was, he had a, he had a in the beginning, he had the family business. It was a uh, tobacco wholesaling company. Beautiful. So I always had candy, I had baseball cards, but then the company went under, so he started his own business, and then he went to controlling. My mom, on the other hand, my mom was a, uh, a marketing manager at Campbell Soup. She, she's, my mom graduated Temple University oh my in God. 1952, as a, and no women took classes back then. And she didn't, her first job interview with Campbell Soup, she didn't wear her engagement ring because they wouldn't hire you because they figure you're going to get married and you're going to have kids. Smarter than the guys that were interviewing yeah. her, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, women back then that were actually, exa- when I say back then, was it 60s? Well, no, she was born in 1930, so 1952, yeah. So yeah, they were pretty sharp, man, because a, a friend of mine, Gary Rattet, Gary's mom was a, just, just like that. Back in the time when you couldn't do that, she was doing it anyway. And she was also very politically charged from the East Coast, and they moved out to California. And California is a place where people moved because they didn't want to do neighborhood politics. They didn't want to have a block captain. They didn't want to do ward politics. They wanted to move to their ranch. And forgive me, but be Republicans, you know, yeah. and, and every now and again, I get a flyer in the mail and here's this woman banging on doors in Los Angeles and forcing the, uh, the, the sort of the liberal point of view into the city of Los Angeles, which I'm not taking sides here, folks. I'm just saying, you know, the history of L.A. in terms of politics is very interesting, you know, and at a time when you didn't do that. And it was a female, too. So now what were know. your parents politically wise? Because I know your wasn't Very, your father in my father's a World War, Republican World War Two. Yeah, he's, right? he's okay. a Canadian who fought with the Canadian forces. in World War Two is is uh, in Italy. And uh, then uh, as soon as he got back to Toronto, my dad said, everybody know after World War Two, America was where it was at. So I wasn't going to stay there. He left Toronto. As I found out from my Canadians, uh, Canadian cousins past summer, that was did go down well with the family up there. He took little. Marjorie was my mother, and he took her out of Canada and moved her to California, so pissed off everybody. But I think my dad did that because he found out after the war ended that he was adopted. He didn't know it. Uh, There's a woman that he used to visit with his mom named Agnes, and he he didn't know why his mother took him once a month to visit this woman, Agnes, but uh, he's now a man, 30 or something, and he goes down to New York City with my mother and with this Agnes woman, and they go out dancing at the Plaza Hotel, and he takes her out on the dance floor to dance with her, and he he asks her, he he says, you my mother. And she said, yeah. So I think my father realized then he had no tie to Canada at all, because she was from Albany, New York. Okay. And he said, you know what? Fuck this. Excuse my French. No wonder Albany loves me. They know there's a a Henry thing happening there. And uh, he grabbed my mom and said, F Canada. I don't think there's there's nothing tying me here. And he went down to California and... uh, now, do you think you got your sense of humor from your dad or your mom, or where does the sense of humor Absolutely come from? Absolutely from my father. Absolutely from my father. I got my sensitivity and my interest in spiritual things from my mother, but my dad, yeah, totally. My father was a fucking riot, man. Uh, he, my dad would say things like, you know, I took my dad to the races out of Riverside once, and we're driving through a crowd of people, and he hangs out the window, you better watch it, Mac, you get an ass full of car. You know, <laughs> stuff like that just cracked me up. You know? And an ass full of car. That was my father, you know. Oh, yeah, and then he'd see me laughing and go, Yes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then we used to go sailing. I was with my dad sailing in Newport Harbor. And uh, my dad used to say, sailboat has the right of way over power, okay? don't These stink pots, they don't get the right of way. So we're sailing one day. Some guy with a big all-day fishing charter. <laughs> my dad turns around. What do you want me to do? Pick it up and walk out of here with it? You know? So, uh, yeah, my dad was a riot. My father was, my father was Ralph Cramden, literally. Oh, wow. That bipolar. So you didn't know who'd come to the door at night. It was, was it the Ralph that was like, Norton, get out, you know, or was it, baby, let's go down to Hong Kong Gardens, you know, that was my day, you didn't know who you're getting every night. So now I know you, you were in Florida for a while doing radio. Yeah. And now, and then you went to Minnesota or was that, I know you were. What happened was I did like, uh, Steve, I did uh, 17 years as a disc jockey. So I was down in Florida in the seventies working in Orlando. As a disc jockey, as not, a disc not jockey. doing your characters, not no. doing anything. Just I was an album rock jock. Like I was a, like, okay. Right. That was uh, the Grateful Dead. Tangerine Bowl is Saturday night. Of course, we've got the Eagles and uh, WORJ. You know, blah, 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 And then I went down to Miami and worked at WSJ. I was in New Orleans working for WNOEFM. All album rock shit, you know. Uh, basically, it was a time when personality radio was frowned upon. It was the time of uh, play the hits, play the music, play the music. Right. And I was increasingly frustrated. I got to L.A. in 78. I worked at uh, what is now Power 106. In those days, it was K-West. Then I went to uh, San Diego, worked at KGB-FM. And I actually got paranoid. I visited China during that period, and they said, well, what's your place of employment? And I had to write down KGB. 
And I, was, and I was actually thinking, are the, are the Chinese going to get this? You know, how stupid did I think they were? You know, oh, KGB radio, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, I listened to that. You know, when I lived in America. But anyway, and I worked for KNXFM in a bunch of stations, and then um, I got fired for my last gig, which was KLSX, which is today it used to be Free FM, some other shit. And that's when I decided. This was 1988, and I thought, unless I really commit to what and who I am to be authentic on the radio I'm never gonna have a career man so I was 38 years old 37 years old and I decided I'm gonna start this shit all over again I'm gonna go into talk radio because at that time Rush Limbaugh had just busted out and uh, it, what I saw in that wasn't hey, conservative radios happening what I saw in that was personality radio was back you could talk and you didn't have to play records so that's what I did man I created my own spoken word show and that's when I went back out on the road I went to Ventura uh, from Ventura, I went to Atlanta in 1992. In 93, I went up to CCO in Minneapolis. And I went down to Miami in 94. And then in 96, came out to KLS, or KFI. And then in 99, got the show national, you know, doing that whole, you know. And now we have Harvey Weirman. Harvey, how are you? That's very good, Phil. Uh, who's this? Is this guy real? Right. I don't understand. He's talking about <laughs> if anybody streaked my bucket seats like that. <laughs> are you really? You wear a diaper? Yes, I do. In 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 illegal practice, you're allowed. Whatever, you know. See how far you could go. I always. That's what always cracked me up. I remember, and besides the other, I remember two <laughs> stories that just made me die. One was you were a um, you were a valet in Beverly Hills. And you didn't you didn't park this girl's Mustang. Ted's of Beverly Hills. Yeah, and she didn't park this Mustang because you thought she wasn't going to tip. And then she got <laughs> she got like assaulted, or I don't even know what happened. Yeah. But and I remember, and what I loved was that people would call in, and irate, not like. Mm. And the thing is, it's it's like anything. If you hear someone, most of the times you're going to think, okay, and, and even then you would say. This isn't this isn't me, and I mean you say this is me, and people would still. I mean, how would people? I mean, would that just crack? How would you try to keep a straight face when these people were just idiots? Well, here's the thing that happened. Well, we we didn't keep a straight face. You know, I mean, I laughed. I'd be like, you know, right. you know. <laughs> uh, the famous bit is a, a bit called "All You Can Eat Negro." Where, oh, where, that's yeah, my I, 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 Mike Crozier, uh, right. who's well, now a news who's now a newsman at KFI. Mike, Mike was my engineer at the time, right. and Mike right. had a whiteboard. And the whiteboard, he would write things down, and I'm just going, I, I tell you, I was playing the movies, and then I said, I cannot believe that. And it was based on a news story, which was they, 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 they got their body to the wrong church. Okay. Instead of a Protestant church, it was a Catholic church. And my nephew was delivered to a Catholic mass. They mack on the body there. You know that, Phil. No, I, what they do is that's a priest called in. No, it's, it's Holy Communion. Oh, my God. That's a, that's a brother buffet. And I'm looking up at Crozier. It's all you can eat, and uh, that's when I started losing it. And I, I, I literally, because I have a condition that's uh, like almost like narcolepsy. If I laugh too hard, I lose muscular control. Oh, really? Yeah, and I have to like slap myself and get out of it. And I remember falling out of the chair onto the floor. That is one of my all-time yeah. favorite studio laughs. Yeah, like hearing you guys in the studio in my favorite. Yeah, line. it's infectious too, isn't it? Oh. People love that bit, not necessarily because of the bit, but because it's. A minute of you laughter. Well, you know, that's, yeah. That always happens. Look at when yeah. we were younger, Robbie. Love when uh, when Conway and Carrie Corman were together. Because yeah. Conway and I had someone who one of the Carol Burnett's Carol Burnett's writers, Gene Perrette, was on, and he had said that was you knew that was Conway's goal. Like uh. he wasn't going to read the sketch. <laughs> he was going to sit there and go, "I'm going to make Harvey Corman Harvey laugh,", Corman laugh yeah. and he would just go off and yeah, no one complained because it's just people loved it. I remember as a kid watching that and you'd see Harvey Corman trying to hold it. Even when Fallon would lose it on Saturday Night Live. I you know, when they do it. that. It's just funny because it's 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 as you said, laughter's infectious. It's infectious. And and once you hear people laughing and it's and you want to see people screw up. I'm not not in a bad way, but you sit there and go, they're laughing and that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 uh, people and because it's audio only and you don't see them, I think it's even better because you just hear this laughter going on and on and on. You hear the microphone being hit. And it was it was totally authentic and totally real. And I could barely breathe. And I think at one point you hear me going, no, no, no. And what I'm saying is, please, I need my muscles back. I need my body. I can't. No, no. I got to stop laughing. I can't. I may shit myself if I keep going. Yeah. She was begging herself to stop talking. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I've got to stop. I'm cracking myself up. I'm cracking. Oh, I must stop. Otherwise, I, I'm going to go to hell. I'll go to hell now. You know. So that was, that was a bit, and and um, <laughs> did well, let me say what so many have said before me. What was the question? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I, 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 yeah, so that was, that was the... Uh, what happens is this. You take an issue. This was a window available in talk radio that was a very limited window where people took the medium very seriously and we jumped in and just fucked with it bad. You know, just boom, not badly. I mean, or however, we really messed with it. And we introduced a level of shtick to it that I don't think people had heard before. And then came after us has been this groundswell of pranking now. Everybody's doing jokes. Everybody's right. pranking. Everybody's this. So I think that was a window that lasted for about 10 years where we could really seriously uh, fuck with people. And then uh, I think it's sort of maybe slammed shut. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure in, in a, at a big enough market with enough phone calls, you can still find those people that really want to. Look, I understand that you people kid around, but let's get down to this, huh? Obama, you, you want to laugh? Fine. I want to get serious. What planet do you think Obama's from? Because it's not Earth. You can't tell me it's Earth. And so there's still people like that. Um, especially arch political people on either end of the stick, you know. Uh, but we, we found a window that was so profound that uh, people were, is he kidding? So here's an interesting thing about that show. As, as legendary as it is among some people, and we make a very good living with our archives now, we never busted, when we were on Afternoon Drive at KFI, we never busted a three-share on adults. Never. Now, does that mean the show sucked or was on the wrong station? I believe talk radio was here and Phil Hendry was here and they said, that's a really cool tie-dye t-shirt guy. Let's put him in our limousine store. Well, when you go to a limousine store, you want to buy limousines. You may look and say, this guy's selling tie-dye t-shirts. They're really cool. I'd love to get one, but I'm not here for that. Right. And I think that what we did, there weren't any stations out there that would showcase what we did. Yeah. Uh, because everybody that called, you know, that listened to KFI, and it's proof... Of, the, of that is people will say to me, what ha I loved you on KFI, where are you now? Well, I said like nine million times where I am, don't you want to follow me over? Right. Oh, I only listen to KFI. So we love you, but I'm not going to listen to your shit on another station. <laughs> you know? so. Well, you were also put on Extra Sports, I believe. We, we, went extra, we actually did well at Extra Sports. Why? Because it's a male audience. And right. humor is really big with men. Because yeah. that was always good. Because, yeah, you said that. That was and, a great mix. And it's like, as I say, I love sports, but yeah. you can only listen to, I can only listen to so much sports radio. You know, I mean, I sit there, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll Listen to the Philadelphia stations every once in a while. You're right, but it's man. good when you're driving, and because your show, you're right. It's a perfect thing. They're talking about football. They're talking about this. Now we're going to do something completely different, but entertaining, and that's the thing. I think people, the person who wants to sit there and listen to sports 24 hours a day, there's is something that, wrong with is, that guy, man. Yeah, I always say it's like they should have a Rob Lowe commercial, right. Over 40 softball player guy. Yeah. Well, look, when I was on WIOD in Miami, we had the perfect man station. We were really anchored by Neil Rogers, who's one of the greatest, probably the greatest in the history of the medium, between 10 and 2. Neil was an openly gay man who loved the Chicago Cubs, the Miami Dolphins, the Florida Panthers, and harness racing, and Luis Miguel. Not because he liked his singing, he wanted to fuck him. Right. Okay? <laughs> but Neil was a cigar-smoking butch guy, and he was so honest and authentic. He had a huge following among men, and these are all straight guys, you know, and there's Neil going, that's right, Neil, we should find you a girl. I'm a fag, lady, don't you understand? <laughs> you know, now, what is up with the dolphins? Oh, my God, Don Shula out there in a golf cart? You're kidding me, Shula, you know? It was a beautiful thing. Is that sports? Is it what? What is that? It's lifestyle talk, and it's guy talk, and that's what the sports stations don't get, man. Right. They want to shove this shit down your throat, when really, in point of fact, it's whatever gets men listening. And and what gets men listening is not only sports, but it's just that whole lifestyle thing of being a guy, whatever right. we sit and talk about. And IOD in Miami, we had it down. We had boxcar numbers in men. We kicked ass. Um, you know, our sales staff sucked. But anyway, I'm kidding, I'm joking. We, we were the, I'll give you an example of the, of the integrity of WID when I was there. We were the flagship station for the Miami Dolphins. Now, when you're the flagship station for any team, you don't fuck with that team. Yeah. You are only kissing their ass. That's why it sounds so phony when you hear these guys. Not us. Starting with Neil, we ripped the Dolphins every day. That last season with Shula, when, when they still couldn't put it over the top and they still couldn't get to the Super Bowl, when, when Dan Marino was getting old and the Dolphins were not going to make it, that Brian Cox was out of control. Love you, Brian. You know I do. But, you know. uh, and that was unusual. Uh, even Jim Mandich, who did the color commentary for the Dolphins, came on the air and said, this station stands for nothing, because Jim was feuding oh. with us. It was dramatic. It was right. fantastic. <laughs> it was great radio. You know, And that's what people want to hear. And I think yes, that's why with, yeah. your, with your characters, people like it, because they're... God it, rest your soul, Jim. You're the voice of me. You're, you're the voice of reason between them, <laughs> the characters. And I think yeah. people like that, because the people who get the joke get it. And that's yeah. the thing. Anyone likes, you know, that kind of humor. 
Because it's funny, as you said, now the prank shows are huge. I mean, yeah. I, it's always crack up. It's how these prank shows still pulled off. I mean, if I'm at Ralph's in Burbank and some guy's walking around with his dick out dressed like a chicken, I know there's a pretty good chance I'm on a, some kind of weird show. Well, there's a difference. But yours is before that, so yours wasn't... Well, so what we did open. is we, we, we just set up the premise and people came to us. It's like somebody said to me once, well, all you do is throw a banana peel out on the street. No. The difference between our show and a prank show is they throw a banana peel out and a guy doesn't see it and trips. What we do is we throw the banana peel out there and the guy sees the banana peel and walks over it anyway, thinking that it's uh, a piece of concrete. Right, right. And you keep throwing them. And we keep throwing them. You have more banana peels. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, I've done in my past and and I still have a couple of props here and there in my Mm. show. You know, you get labeled a prop act. Well, well, you still have to take that off the shelf and do something amusing with it. And the beauty of your show was, in the the call-in days, was when you threw out the banana peel, okay, now you've made the connection between your character and that caller, but now you have to roll with that for five to ten minutes. You have to keep, no matter what they say, you're coming up with more funny shit after that initial contact. Yeah, you And that's what was genius. Well, when we pulled it off... It was great. There were days when we would struggle with it, but I mean that's the beauty of show business, especially yeah. live radio. You know, yeah. you're just you're working it. People hear it. You know. How would you handle that if you had a character, and you're used to the boards lighting up, yeah. and then you have a character, and you know what? No calls. There's one call. Yeah. What What do you do then with that transition? Do you, I mean, how would you transition to make well, that entertaining? Well, if you had more, if you had more to say, you could just take it. We used to talk about first, second, and third acts. The first act was the was the monologue. And we learned rapidly that even though you had to monologue and get the call, people to call, it's really boring for people that isn't going to call, that aren't going to call, and people that are are there for the comedy. They know your act to hear you just sort of churn. It's kind of like, so we had to get we had to drop the shoe a little bit in that. Then there came the second act where we'd ramp it up more. An example of that would be, for instance, Bobby Dooley going to Auschwitz with her husband or to Dachau with her husband. <laughs> you know, we're going to go to. Um, we went. We came back from Germany, and where were you, about? Well, we visited Dachau. It was very interesting, you know, and, oh, God, it's, you know, yes, well, we went, and then they had the German uh, Black Forest uh, uh, celebration, and we had the Oktoberfest day. Yeah, October, they had the ham. They had the ham. <laughs> yes, and, all right, so that's really grotesque, because there's something wrong there. There's a, there's, a, there's a psychopathic disconnect between that, and I, I feel it, all my listeners feel it, but she doesn't. Now we go to the second act, here come the calls. That's all a pretty... So then you like, mm, it was fascinating. We saw the brochure, and we had a box lunch. So when we went through Doc Howe, of course, we had our sandwiches with us. Oh, look at that. You know, now it's really <laughs> fucked up. And then by the third act, if, if that didn't work, I, I would have said, I would have gotten it out of Doc Howe. And I would have gotten directly to the, uh, and what else did you do? We went down to the Black Forest. Yeah, they had guys in lederhosen, and they did a slap dance. Oh, do the, Do you do the slap dance, Steve? I would have taken it just ridiculously <laughs> right, fucking okay. funny and taken that as far as I could and then, bang, gotten into another topic. But I, I think there's something to be said. Some of the funniest shit that we ever did was we didn't get one call. We took this for 45 minutes, and I still remember how much everybody in the studio laughed, and it had to have been funny on the air. It was Ted Bell. It was his anniversary. And I took my wife to El, El Encanto here in Santa Barbara, and uh, I wanted it to be special. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, I, I set it up. We had flowers. We had a beautiful little, little log-burning fireplace there in the cabins. Have you been to El Encanto, Phil? I, I have not. Well, it's, well, obviously you haven't. It's very expensive. But uh, we went there, and yeah, it's, it's way above my pay grade. Yeah. All right, so uh, don't beat it into the ground, you know. But anyway, so we went there, and uh, it was very traumatic for me. I didn't do any of that shtick. I was, I, I, we really dramatically... And meanwhile, there was, there was a crew from Channel 11 doing B-roll, because I think they thought they were going to do a movie on me, or not a movie, they wanted to do a special, but, and the crew is there, just, you can see the guys moving the lights and going, <laughs> right. getting camera set up. <laughs> he got to the fucking thing, he gets to the cabin with his wife, and uh, I wanted it to be romantic, and we got into bed, we were going to have a beautiful, passionate, sexual night. Oh my God, I can barely, uh, just take it easy, she put her finger in, in my ass. <laughs> And I ran outside, I wrapped the sheet around me, I wept, I beat my fist against the side of the cabin. So in other words, he thought he was raped because she put her finger up his ass, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, and the fucking dudes from Channel 11 are like, of course, people later said to me, are you making fun of rape? I No, if anything, we're showing what a pussy Ted is, you know, and the fact of the matter, what, are you kidding, dude, you know? And, and, and he wanted to call the rape hotline because his finger... 
which we, we kind of lifted that from Howard because I heard Howard said he had a, he went out for a proctology exam and he wanted to call the rape hotline after he got out of there and and so Ted. That was an example we didn't get one fucking call. I can't imagine you not getting a call. Well, I think, John, it's because we were setting up a story. And so people were oh, oh, sort of put oh. into storytelling mode. Yeah. Even after he <laughs> said the finger up the ass, by <laughs> then... Do you think the phones would have blown up? I think by then people are like, oh, bullshit. You know, right. I, I think by then people are just like, really. The other story was the Bob Swain story, and that went on for a long time, which was basically we told the story of, you know, this is the anniversary of the death of Bob Swain. He was one of the finest golfers in the PGA. In fact, Bob Swain died on the 18th fairway of the Masters, uh, going for his very first Masters win. He'd won three PGA championships. He'd won two British Opens. Bob Swain was amazing. He was, and he overcame a, a handicap as a, as, as a human being. And I just, um, and, and I just led up to the news, and this was like maybe 20 minutes of this, no calls, storytelling, and uh, got right as I was going to say, and now Terry Ray Elmer with the news, I said, and as, as you know, Bob Swain was only 11 inches high. <laughs> now Terry Ray Elmer with the news. And you hear her, I'm Terry. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was an 11-inch high golfer. And, and you know how he died? He got carried off by a cat on the 18th fairway. <laughs> and you hear Swain just, oh, you motherfucker, God damn it. Yeah. Shit like that. I, I just, you know, that's fun for us. When you seriously set up a topic, I've found some things over the years, and it's taken time. The first thing you do is you make sure it's entirely relatable and entirely organic and explosive. Everybody knows about mowing lawns. What are we going to do, come on and talk about mowing lawns? Right. You've got to find some angle to that. You can't just come on and do, just because it's, I used to say to my guys, just because it's a headline doesn't mean it's news. They've got to put something there. But because the New York Times puts that as a headline doesn't mean it's news, man. Uh, an example of that, I was at CCO in Minneapolis, and I was there having lunch with the executives. They, they were going to see where they're going to hire this guy, Phil Henry. And I said, well, I'll tell you, what, what do you do, Phil? Do you do news? I said, sure, I do. What's topical? What do you mean by topical? I said, what's the biggest? I, I'll ask you guys, what's the biggest story today? Now, on that day, that night, the biggest fucking thing in America was about to happen. It was in 1993. Oprah was going to interview Michael Jackson on primetime. That was huge in 93. These guys from WCCO, CBS, I said, what do you guys think is the biggest story today? Well, I, I mean, uh, uh, Clinton, you know, Clinton, uh, the gold standard, and I think there's a Swiss, uh, they found an, a Swiss army knife up uh, Hillary's ass, don't you think? <laughs> the thing, no, guys, I, and I said this, no, guys, it's Oprah interviewing Michael Jackson tonight. Oh, well, yes, yeah, bullshit. You didn't know what I was talking about. Right. It shows you how disconnected right. talk radio was. So I said, what is happening in the country? And I remember driving to work one day. It was January. The Super Bowl was over. The, it was boring. It was post-Christmas. It was that, those dog days of winter that we all got to just slug. And I said, what's, the, what's on everybody's mind? Work. Work is on everybody's mind. What's the workplace shit going on? Is the coffee pot thing? Is it, I got to work that night. My show was written before I even got the car parked because I knew what I was going to do. I was going to do some work-related thing. You have to feel what, what is happening, and then you go for it. And... The more popular our show got, the more my screeners had to wade through the cranks, and and then the cranks got smarter and they tried to they see what will get me on the air. We yeah. really had to. If you got on the if you were a, if you were somebody who knew the act and you still got on the air on our show, more power to you, man. Okay. That's what I used to say. God bless you. That was you know? your biggest headache, I remember. Yeah, is, is yeah. Well, what, would, we, what would crank say? They just call and go. Eh, eh, eh. No, they would. They actually at the, in the beginning, yeah. Or they would say, you know, I'm actually this is Phil Henry doing the voices. Your show sucks. And, you know, all right, you dump out of a cat <laughs> like that. More often than not, though, they tried to play along, and it was so bad. Right. And it was so obvious. And you could see through it and dump them. Yeah, see through it. We had to dump them out, dump them out. Um, The real ones you knew. And I would tell my screeners, look, you can't ever go wrong asking a lot of questions. A fake call will not make it past, like, the fourth question. Why are you calling? Well, I just think that she's... Okay, well, why? Well, I I just think... Fuck you. Okay. Nobody who calls in a series is going to be that... Uh, shallow in their opinion. Um, I remember you giving the ratio once. It was like one out of every 300 calls or something. And I, I remember listening to that on the radio going, oh my God, that's a dog. Well, task. 2% of the audience calls. 
98% of the audience knows it's me doing the voices, and I see 58 seconds here. I'm about to hear a guy go, countdown to the Steve Cooper break. Uh, look at this, this there's a, I know. Ah! Isn't it great? Yeah, this, like is, the, this is technology. I swear, I, I feel, I feel like man. a big man now. Right. I, know, I know when to stop. I just I hope I can get the door open and get into the ocean when the chopper arrives, because that fucking capsule's going to sink, man. Uh, I guess to be continued, or? Uh, yeah, well, for, new, well okay. basically, the, the, to wrap it up, I'd say that, uh, you know, we would just, uh, we had to get smarter as the callers, as the show got more popular, you know, with callers. So what's your uh, what's your Twitter? Real Phil Hendry. Real Phil Hendry. R-E-A-L-P-H-I-L-H-E-N-D-R-I-E and Phil Hendry Show. And your you, website? And my website is philhendryshow.com. Get a BSP today. Thank you. Check that out and also uh, check out me at Cooper Talk and uh, at John DeCrosta, right? You are correct. Right on. At John DeCrosta. And we're going to be taking a break in seven seconds. I've never done this. This is great. Six, five, five and four, we'll be back three, in two ignition. and a half minutes. We have liftoff. All right. Do you love electronic cigarettes but hate the hassle of recharging and refilling? Well, now there's a solution. Introducing Zenny Cigarettes, the world's best disposable e-cigarettes. Zenny cigs look and feel just like a real cigarette but without the tar, ash, odor, and chemicals. The best part, Zenny cigs are affordable, less than $5 each. Get your disposable Zenny cigarettes today at zensig.com. That's www.zensig.com. I started going cold turkey. Well, at least when I'm in the car. I know I shouldn't do it, but it's so hard to stop. That's why I hide it from myself, so I won't be tempted. I used to do it all the time. I stopped by locking it in my glove compartment. My friend used to do it way too much. Now, I turn it off when we're in the car. My solution is simple. I just don't do it. There are lots of ways to stop yourself and others from texting and driving. How will you stop? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Surprise your kids with a telegram from the Tooth Fairy, a letter from Santa Claus, a golden ticket in a chocolate bar, or an acceptance letter to their favorite school of magic. LegendaryLetters.com handles all the outgoing mail for the magical community. Give your Valentine a howler, get a bunny trail deed from the Easter Bunny, invite a buddy to a vampire wedding, or give your super friend kryptonite in a box. We even have TARDIS invitations, a treaty of trees and replica, and polar train tickets. Let the magic begin at LegendaryLetters.com. CaffeineLand.com, leader in transdermal patch technology. Supplement delivery directly to the bloodstream. Are you completely satisfied with your daily coffee? Try our caffeine energy patches. Use promo code RADIO10 for 10% off your order. CaffeineLand.com, that's CaffeineLand.com. Do you ever wish there was a place where companies who are in search of CDL drivers could find CDL drivers? Introducing GarysJobBoard.com, where CDL drivers go to find cool trucking jobs. When you go to GarysJobBoard.com, you'll find yourself the trucking job you've always wanted that fits your lifestyle. Let Gary's Job Board show you the way. Just fill out the form online and become part of the live network of drivers and companies looking for drivers. Gary's Job Board is free. Log on to GarysJobBoard.com. That's G-A-R-Y-S JobBoard.com. There's that music. That's that's now that's sort of metal. I like the hair metal. Ah! It sounds like Guns N' Roses a little bit. I've been listening to the Hair Nation on Sirius. I like that. What whole is that, song. man? Yeah, it's it's stuff like uh, groups like uh, well, Guns N' Roses, but yeah. then they have like Poison. They have like groups oh. like uh, Bullet band. Boys and yeah. just all that stuff. And, and it's Skid cool. Row. Skid, Skid Row is great. Yeah, yeah. my friend Cinderella. Oh, Cinderella's from Cinderella. my hometown, right next to my hometown. There used to be a bar called the Galaxy, and it yeah. was this rock and roll bar in, in New Jersey. And back then, like in the late '80s, you know, we had like long hair when I had hair, and we, okay. like, we tried to look at what. <laughs> but we weren't. We had the leather jackets, but we weren't metal. But we thought we were cool. And you go to this metal bar, and there were bands. Their first house band was Bon Jovi. Then it was Cinderella. Then it was Britney Fox. And you walk oh, in there, and Britney these Fox. people <laughs> talking about heavy metal. You'd be sitting there going, "Holy crap!" Like. It, it was like straight from Sunset Boulevard, so yeah. it was crazy. And they're like, all like skinny. Which talking about? You said you'd lost some weight. I was three hundred pounds as of uh, uh, two thousand eleven, and uh, you were talking about New Girl. I can't even watch those episodes. I look like such a fat fuck, you know. And uh, <laughs> also, I was on. Um, uh, I think it was on. Uh, yeah, uh, Modern Family did a bit there, but. I was 300 pounds, and uh, I just had a full physical, and I was fine. Uh, the doctor said to me, you're overweight, but your blood works this, that, everything's cool. And my doctor, a guy named Dr. Ald, who was just this great guy, he's like 75. He'd been, he was a Marine doctor at Danang, you know, he was wow. like, you know. I said, were you, I understand you were at Danang. 
I don't, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I remember ferrying Vietnamese kids to that. The Marines had a big ship off of the coast of Vietnam where they took the village kids and uh, treated them for, you know, vaccinated them and treated them. That's where you, the, the people around there went for medical care was to Da Nang and they, they would, the Marines would treat them. That's what Dr. Alt did for a year in Vietnam, came back here. This guy treated, I, I got pneumonia. He saved my life, man. He's so great. But he said to me, I got a diet here, 1,500 calories, Phil. You don't need that. This is a diabetic diet, but you should be around that. So I struggled with that for about four months until I realized that's the game. It's counting calories. People don't like to do it. I don't mind doing it. I like it. And I just put myself on 2,000 calories a day. That's what I did. I think it becomes an art form, too, because me, because I had a health problem, I have to watch my sodium. And, oh yeah, and man. the thing for me is, you know, most people can have twenty four hundred milligrams of sodium. I can have two thousand. I mean, it's just I was diagnosed a few years ago with congestive heart failure. Oh, was, dude. Yeah, and was but now I'm you know my doctor said I'll live till I'm eighty or ninety. because I changed my life. But I do it. I'm like I get the label and I look and I get pissed. Like I see it. It says low sodium soup, and I go okay. Well, one sir, uh, sodium, four hundred ten milligrams of sodium. Too much. But man. then yeah. that's that's okay. That's okay. But they don't tell you that that's two servings. No one eats. A can of soup in two servings. You eat a whole can of soup. Right, right, you open Chucky. That's and that's the low sodium. It's eight hundred. And people sit there and it's like with the with the calories. You just start watching, and next thing you know, it becomes second nature when yeah, you look. And I sit there. I go, okay. I know if I'm going out to dinner, I'm gonna if I'm going to an Italian restaurant, it's gonna be high in sodium. That's fine because I you know I'll do the rest of the day. But the same with the calories. If people just would look, they don't they don't look. I mean, even when you go out to a restaurant, you can see how many calories you if you go to go to get fast food, you can see it says calories. It says sodium. Hey, you know what? And you can you can add you check it out. that's the thing. A lot of restaurants will actually put the uh, calorie content of a meal on the I don't really trust right on it. on the menu. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure if I trust that, but I, I do within a certain Now, how much did you lose? I went from 290 pounds to 210. Now, did you did you that was feel 80, 80 pounds? Did you do you feel different? Did your body? Not feel only that, my dick was bigger. Uh, That's <laughs> one of the greatest things about. I, I swear to God, I'm not kidding. Oh, I, I, know. I actually took a, I took a selfie for my girlfriend only, just so you know. <laughs> but then I, she she got the picture. She goes, "You realize this is exactly the kind of photo that gets on the net and people get blackmailed for this shit, you know?" Anthony Weiner's got nothing on you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I. I felt better, and, and I'm, you know, look, I don't think I'm the world's most handsome guy, but for me, and just like for you and for you, John, I look in the mirror and I go, that's the guy I remember. Mm. You know, that's Phil. You know, that's, yeah, I'm a guy again. I'm not a fat fuck, you know, and so that part felt good, and I would run on the beach. Well, the last time I ran on the beach, I was in my 20s, and I actually got out, and and because I, I would do a beach thing every day, and generally I was walking. When I had pneumonia... I couldn't walk 50 yards without almost coughing to death. That's man. well. That's when I had congestive heart failure. When I finally went to the hospital, I honestly I thought you were gonna fucking die, man. Oh, I, I said that's when I found out the difference between being tired and being exhausted. Tired it. means you go, oh man, like mm-hmm. I don't want to. Exhausted means I can't get up. I yeah. remember sitting there because I live on the second floor and I have a two level, and I remember sitting there and I was coming back from a friend's party. And Wait a minute! You live on the second floor, but your home is a two level. Yeah. Who's downstairs? Uh, it's a neighbor. Oh, it's, 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 it's an apartment building. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. And it's—I guess they call it a townhouse. But I remember sitting there. You know, I'm just going to fly back east to see my girlfriend before she moved out, and I had to do the laundry. Mm. I had to get some laundry before I go, and I remember just sitting there trying to walk down, and with the bucket basket, and then come up, and I was just like, screw it! I, I wouldn't lay on the couch, and. <laughs> Because I, I couldn't, I couldn't. You're gonna do the laundry or lay on the couch? I'll yeah, lay on the couch. You couldn't, yeah, you could, I couldn't. You couldn't make it down. You know, with the moment. I mean, it's it's. You know, that's, what they, that's what they thought I had first because I had fluid in the lungs, and yeah, it's unbelievable when you start. And the thing is, when you start living healthy and you're running, and when you start counting the calories, it comes yeah. so much easier. And you yeah. go, wow, you know what? Like me, I can eat low Look, salt Fritos. They have low salt Fritos. I'm fine with that. It's but cool. It's yeah, just, I can live with. It. I mean, it's like I was 60 years old, man, and I'm running on the beach, and there's fat asses that are 28, and they're like. What, look at that far out old man. Are you kidding me or something? And I did it not because I wanted to test myself, but it felt that I didn't want to walk. I wanted to run. And yeah. uh, so that was like, are you kidding? I'm running the length of this beach. I never did that when I was 25 or 30, you know, and, and I'm 60 years old. And I'm so uh, I put a little of the weight back on, but I know what to do to get it off now. And it's just a matter of and once you get back down to the weight you want to be at. 
you can blow out a weekend. I go down to my favorite restaurant at the beach is Quincy Street. I know Denny and everybody down there. They make the greatest steaks that you can imagine. Where's that? Uh, Quincy Street is right on Channel Islands Beach. It is the best. It's a neighborhood bar. It's cheer- it's our cheers, as we now, call Channel it. Island, is, is that close to Ventura? Channel Islands Beach is down from Ventura by about a mile or two. Okay. I'll have to check it's it out. It's right at Port Wainemi. Okay. A good it's, friend of mine. A good friend of mine's a detective up in Ventura. So yeah, to check yeah. It out. Uh, that's that's those guys are serious. Ventura PD. They uh, you know. Uh, Why'd you say that? It scares me. <laughs> no, it's no, it's good. It's, yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a. Uh, every time I bring out the police, I'm like thinking, okay. <laughs> right, uh, that's like, I was coming home in, in Atlanta once, and okay. this is I don't know what kind of guys you are, but this is the kind of guy that I am, and I'm not sure I like it. I'm driving home from WSB, and in my driveway is an Atlanta PD car, <coughs> police car. So I kept going. You know, I didn't pull in. <laughs> why, why, why didn't I pull in? What, like. Yeah, uh, why ain't you stopping, honey? No, 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 nothing. I just, uh, I'm going around the block thinking, do I have warrants? What, what's going on here? You know, uh, uh, and I think I'm a law-abiding citizen. What the fuck am I doing? So I pull in, and I get out of the yard. The guy was at the next door neighbor's house. He wasn't oh. even in my house. So that's it. Yeah, we, we do that whenever you drive. And I'm the same way. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. But you sit there and you go, or when you're walking down the, I'm walking down the street in Burbank and I see a cop, and I'm like, well, I had two beers. But that's, I, I'm not. I, now I'm not technically drunk. They can't bust me for walking intoxicated right. i had two beers and i'm walking and it's burbank and i'm white so i'm gonna be safe I, you know I, that's, i'm not gonna get any trouble but i do the same thing i sit there and the cop slows down i'm like what did i do and yeah, yeah, i yeah. didn't do anything and next thing you know you're on the ground you're getting pr 24 and you're going but i'm white i don't know i'm white uh i i uh, but, the, but losing that weight was the greatest thing for me i just got sick the thing that did it for me was seeing how fat i was on the in those stills somebody took some stills from new girl and i met kareem abdul jabbar on that on that show and and I did something that I uh, was a perfect move with Kareem. You know, I said that Kareem's going to be guesting on this show. I said, I want to talk to him, and I know exactly what I'm going to talk to him about. I ain't going to talk basketball. I want to talk World War II and the 761, because he had just written a book about the black tank battalion called the 761. These were African-American tankers in World War II. Patton called them the best tankmen that he had. They busted the Siegfried line before any other battalion, uh, because the quartermaster who gives, gives out the gas was black. Uh-huh. You know, so, uh, you know, there was a gasoline rationing with our troops in World War II. It was like, we could probably could have ended the war faster, but there wasn't enough fucking gasoline. <laughs> and so uh, they, these black guys go to the quartermaster's black. They said, we're going to bust through the Siegfried up here north. He says, you got it. Take all the gasoline you want. Meanwhile, the white guys, where's the gasoline? Fresh out. You know? So they punched through. I didn't know through. that was an issue. That is, and Kareem, wow. wrote, Kareem wrote, the, wrote a book about it. And so that was the first thing I said to him, you know, I didn't talk basket. I didn't even, I said... You wrote the book on the Soviet Union? He goes, yeah, yeah, I did. I said, I said I, I, I've studied the 761. I know Reuben Rivers won a Congressional Medal of Honor. Reuben Rivers was one of the sergeants in the tank who got a Congressional Medal of Honor because the message came. He was providing covering fire for Americans that were having to fall back. The Germans were hitting him. Rivers is up there with two or three other tankmen from the 761, and they said, fall back, pull back now. And Rivers is about to pull back, and then he sees these German panzers. He says, I'm, I see the enemy I'm going to engage. So he basically, and they disobeyed orders, but he couldn't help himself. He saw these German tanks, and he realized if he engaged them, he's going to buy even more time for these guys. He engaged these two panzers and took a direct hit in the fucking turret and died. And it took 60 years, but he got a Medal of Honor for it. Anyway, Kareem and I are talking about this. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's father was an artillery guy in the war. He was with uh, one of the artillery units, black artillery unit. Right. So we talked about this for his whole... Now, this is Kareem's dressing room. Right. You know regular dressing rooms? Kareem's dressing room is twice the size of this. It's like in his contract, you know. Where's Mr... Yeah, this is like... And there's food, and there's this. And his assistant walked up to me during the break. She goes, Kareem will talk to you. Great. Where, where do I go? <laughs> so we sat, we had lunch, and we talked nothing but World War II, the artillery, 761, bl- African Americans in World War II. And uh, I, I did a drunk history after that on uh, Daniel Lenoe, partly because of that. Oh, we have two minutes? Yeah, because I'm talking about black guys. So, we can't <laughs> so I, uh, no, no, I know. But I, the, the, the reason why I brought that up, Steve, is because I saw a picture of myself talking to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his dressing room, and I looked like the fattest piece of shit you ever saw in your life. I couldn't believe but it. But you did something about it. I did. I looked at that, and I went, I can't be that guy anymore. I want to thank you for coming back on. Oh, man, I had This was fun. This is such fun. And give all your info. Oh, yeah, we're at uh, philhenryshow.com. Get a BSP. It's the best value online other than porn. 
Uh, what else could I say? Oh, and it will do far more for your life than Scientology. That's the God's honest oh, yeah. truth. And man. Twitter. And Twitter. We're a real Phil Hendry, and we're also Phil Hendry Show. And Bobby Dooley. And Bobby Dooley, and Margaret Gray is over there. What about you, Harvey? With you? No, I don't fuck with that. Are you kidding? <laughs> All right. So there's a few of the uh, the gang are over there. Well, no, thank you for coming on. It's good to have you back. Always a good time, man. And uh, people follow me. John, at, at good Cooper to meet Tuck. you, brother. Great and to meet you. At John DeCross. John had to wipe his hand off on his t-shirt. <laughs> At John DeCrossy, yes. Follow me at Cooper Talk. That's yes. at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, Woo! coopertalk.net. I have 350 or 60 episodes up. Uh, Cooper Talk at Cooper, coopertalk.net is my email. Also, don't forget my new website, stopthesalt.com. That's my cookbook. 120 easy recipes, low sodium. There's no pictures. You won't get intimidated. There's no 87 different spices. So you don't sit there and go, I can't make this. Basically, guys, if you're afraid to cook, don't be a pussy. That's this cool. is easy stuff. You can make it. You can get that at stopthesalt.com. It's $9.99 plus $3.99 shipping. I'll sign it for you if you get it there. Or if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, you, you, it's the same price. But I think I don't make as much money off it. But if you have that Prime, you can get free shipping. So check it out. So I want to thank Phil Henry. I want to thank John thank DeCross you. for hanging into the thank studio. You. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you next week.